Hello lovelies, welcome to Lessons from the Universe with Jennifer Hall. In this podcast you will find that there is no topic off limits and that we talk about just about everything that might be on your mind when it comes to knowing yourself, growing yourself, and the entire process of spiritual awakening. You will hear lots of laughter and hopefully join in, and you will hear the occasional four-letter word. You will definitely hear some inspiration, and occasionally you might even get your ass kicked. Come hang out and see what it's all about. Let's do this. Are you ever bored? Like, just bored? Like, is this all there is, and what am I going to do today and bored? (laughs) I know it's normal. Right? Kids get bored. Hopefully they learn how to be bored. I don't know. Maybe they're better at it than some of us older folks are. They get into their online worlds and they fill the extra time. We have a tendency to think that's a really bad thing, but I don't know. I mean, I hear my daughter just laughing and enjoying the interaction with you know, a game or a silly YouTuber, (laughs) you know, I know there's a lot out there that can be scary and dangerous. And, you know, for some of us people that are older, it, it seems more so, but sometimes I'm bored. I know that boredom is a reminder from the universe that we're not being intentional enough, that we're not being intentionally enthusiastic, that we're not just in awe of the very existence that we have sitting in this room, the air around us, what we can see and feel and smell and taste and touch, and yet sometimes we're bored. Now, we can definitely blame some of this on the pandemic, I'm sure. You know, I know not everyone has slowed their lives down. Not everyone is living with caution, but most of us are, at least on some level, And so we're doing less. For those of us city dwellers, (laughs) this is even more dramatic. I was uh, driving somewhere with my family recently, and we drove through some more rural areas. And it reminded me about that there are really places in the world that have always been slower. They've always had less social interactions. They've always had less places to go, less things to do, whether it's just walking around a store or going to some kind of event. There are places where life is slower. There were times when life was slower. People love to talk about how when they were kids, everybody was out running around all the time. And and yes, that's what we remember getting on your bike and just riding wherever and not even thinking about if it was safe or where you were going, just finding people. We did that. But it wasn't all we did. We spent plenty of time doing nothing, (laughs) being bored, staring at a television or reading a book or whatever. It's about the slowness of time. People like to say that kids nowadays don't know how to be bored. I think that they do. They just have different ways of filling it. 
I think it's more often some of us that don't know how to be bored. You know, I was talking to uh, an older woman, older than me, not old. She's in her 70s, very vibrant, really, looks amazing. But she is just bored. She's expecting life to give her something that she's not getting, something she's not reaching for. And she has spent years and years just thinking that the next milestone was going to come up and change everything for her. Whether it's the certain age of a family member or the final retirement of her husband, thinking that these things would happen and just unlock some level of contentment that she had never reached before. It's this idea that it's something outside of us that fulfills us. Beloved, when we are bored, that's inside of us. There really is nothing on the outside that can fix that for us. We could be super busy, super social, super things and still be bored. It's not just a state of having nothing to do. It's a state of feeling as if things are not worthy of our full attention or fully being embraced. It is this denial of contentment, which is really truly a gift that we give ourselves. It's something that we seek, right? There's this line between contempt and contentment that is more fine than we realize. This idea of contempt, this idea that we can just walk around and disregard the value of things, decide that they are worthless or less deserving of our attention. I really think this disregarding the value of something, the value of quiet time, the value of peacefulness, the value of interacting with someone, even if they're annoying, <laughs> right? But what is contentment? If contempt is one side of the coin, what is contentment? Contentment is satisfaction. It's this idea that we can be satisfied. The origin of the word contentment is actually satisfied. It is all the things contained or all the things held all together. It is understanding that all the things are good. It is that reminder, many of you have heard me say many times before, that time enjoyed is not time wasted. And yet, how do we enjoy time? We make sure that we don't disregard their value. People get frozen in time and this idea, this artificial trauma that they give themselves, that we give ourselves, that something is missing and, and something is not okay. We've got to rewrite that. We have to change the path. And yet, just like walking through the forest, the pathways of our brain, our neurological pathways, have to be well-worn in order to be the dominant path. If you walk a pathway through the forest and you realize it is well-worn and yet dangerous, you set about creating a new one. 
right? We can no longer take this path. There's now a family of snakes or bears or something. We have to make a new path. Well, the first time you make the path, you barely make a dent in it. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of care, but you walk that new path again and again and again, and eventually it is well-worn. It is your normal, and the other path begins to overgrow. Just like that path in the forest, the pathways, the neurological pathways in our brain are the same. And so if we want to build contentment instead of contempt, we must intentionally walk that path again and again and again. We have to release our attachment to the idea that someone's going to come and make it easy for us, that someone's going to come and dig up and lay stones on the path so that it's the easiest thing to follow every day all the time. We have to release attachment really to anything and everything. Thinking of that older woman, her attachment to the idea that when her husband retired, everything would change and suddenly he'd be this vibrant, fun person ready to plan things and do things. And yet he was never that man, even when he was young. That was never him. Why would it suddenly be him now? The release of attachment is the key to contentment, to all life. The only thing that we should be attached to is doing the best we can each day, is walking the path less traveled until it becomes our normal. We get caught up in flesh sickness, right? And this idea that everything is is healed from the outside, that everything is that contentment should be laid before us. It's not realistic. It's kind of like um, that movie, The Notebook. <laughs> Bear with me. You end up finding in the end of the movie, okay, spoilers, that the husband has been telling his wife this story, that he tells this to her all the time to help her find this moment of clarity within her dementia, within her Alzheimer's. And that every once in a while she wakes up and she is present and they have this limited window of time in which she still can remember who she is and who they were and what is real. Now, there are scientific studies that actually say that this is the way to go and that with practice, you can expand this space, this how long do we have of clarity. Beloved, we can do this for ourselves as well. We walk the path again and again and again, and eventually we get to the open field that is contentment. And every time we visit it, it gets bigger and broader and more beautiful and complete. But that does not mean that we ever reach a place where we don't have to walk the path. There will be days that we will wake up and we will feel slow or sad. That we might feel bored. We should sit with it. Just sit with it, just for a moment. Look at that well-trod path and ask yourself, who, who walked it before me? Did my mother carve this path for me and that's why it is so deep and so thorough and so easy to walk? And just because she did and maybe her mother before her and her mother before her, does that mean that it's the path I have to walk? 
And I don't mean the jobs that we take, though it can mean that. I literally mean the process of our thinking. I was talking to that same woman just recently, and she kept yes-butting everything. Yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, either literally or figuratively, it was this desire <clears throat> to stay on that well-trodden path as if it were safer somehow. But beloved, if there are nests of snakes along the side, right, nipping at your ankles, trying to poison your life and your thinking and your joy, just because that path has been laid before you doesn't mean it's the one you have to walk on. And I don't even mean the direction of your life, the job you take, or the people you encounter. I mean within our thinking. This place between contempt and contentment, between disregarding the value of the moments we have now versus allowing all the parts of life to be contained together. What is it that we think we want? Exhilaration? passion. Beloved, you, you cannot live at this heightened state of being 24-7. You just can't. It will quit being interesting. I talk to a lot of people who have lived moments or years or decades of life in chaos, whether it is from drugs or relationships or anything else. They get to this place where that heightened level is normal and they end up right where everyone else is thinking that life is too slow or too boring. Now there are people who say they would just, oh, I'd kill for a moment that's boring. You know what I mean. I don't mean that you don't have things to do. It is the outlook by which we hold life. What? do we choose to have passion about? What do we choose to focus on? Is it going to be this pandemic? Are we going to sit here and focus on that there's a, another new variation? Are we going to sit here and focus on how it has changed our lives? Or are we going to keep walking through the darkness until the light comes up? Walking a new path, asking ourselves, what is the purpose of this? There are plenty of positives to focus on. What are you going to choose? Are you going to disregard the value of those? Are you going to choose contempt for the whole thing and disregard the improvements in the environment, the improvements in interpersonal relationships, the acceptance of digital communication? I mean, Beloved, I know I could sit here and list all the things that have been a challenge as well, but we could do that with any part of our lives anything. People move or change jobs. They can focus on that they have new experiences and new friends or they can just long for what they left behind. That shift in attitude changes everything. People go through health crisis. Maybe they're going through cancer treatment. They can sit back and they can just lament at lost health and lost time and then they continue almost always to spiral downward in their health or they can focus on an opportunity to take a new lease on life, that there is life-giving treatment, that there is things that they can do, that they suddenly realize how important every relationship and every moment, even the ones where they were bored, have in their lives. 
those people almost always heal. Are you bored? Are you in that fog of flesh sickness? Let's wake up. Let's decide. Let's live with intentional enthusiasm. Let's do something different. Let's quit focusing on how long do we have in that moment of joy or contentment. Let it be what it is, knowing that we can find the path to it again. That the more times we walk it, the more normal it becomes, both in our physical world and in our brains, literally in our neuropathways. We create new levels of normal, new connections between things. Someone sent me a video just recently that was literally of the pathways in the brain. And it was showing, you know, the two big, you know, not just two, but two specific strong ones, right? Things that are well-trodden and how different experiences create these extra little pathways, shortcuts from one to the other. This happens in our life, right? People get triggered. I was watching a um, <laughs> reality TV show and one of the women was braiding the other one's hair and happened to braid it in a specific sort of spiral pattern and it triggered the other woman back to some childhood memory where she had been teased for her hair and she kind of totally freaked out and that was a reminder of neural pathways right she wasn't thinking about this hard time in her youth until that hair style sent her running up this little pathway. What did she do? She kept running back and forth up that pathway. She just kept going back and forth, but the hair, but the old thing, but the hair, but the whole thing, making that path deeper and stronger and deeper and stronger. What she could have done is said, this changes what this hairstyle means to me. My new friend who is helping take care of me, who is showing me love and time, is giving this pattern in my hair new meaning. It would have been hard because it was a brand new little tiny path that she could have connected from one thing to the next. But if she had done it and if she had every time she looked at it said, new friend, new path, new meaning, the old would overgrow and the new would be strong. And every time she went anywhere and saw anyone with that hairdo, she would have been reminded of loving friendship instead of past heartache. Whether it's our hair or our loved ones, our childhood, a loss, whatever it is, beloved, we have a choice to walk the path that is well-trodden and painful or to build something new, a new pathway in our mind, a new home for contentment instead of content. Don't disregard the value of the little moments quiet. Don't disregard the value of free time. Enjoy it or fill it. What can you fill it with? You can fill it with exercise. You can fill it with education. You can fill it with experience. There are plenty of things to do. We have access to an infinite number of things to do. We can choose how to spend our time to either Literally enjoy, give ourselves the space to give value 
to boredom or to be honored to have that space to do something with it. If you work too much because you have to, if you can't change that, you have a choice to resent it, to disregard the value of it, or to choose to embrace all the things contained within it, the interactions with other people, the activation of parts of your brain that will help keep you vibrant. We have a lot of choices, beloved. Sometimes it's harder than others. Building paths of intentional enthusiasm requires faith plus work. Faith that it's real and that it's worth it. Work because sometimes it's easier to not go there, to stay on the path that's already broad and open. But we can change it. And if we start right now, by the time we're little old people, <laughs> it'll be easy. It'll be easy. Give yourself a chance. Walk the path of contentment. Don't be frozen in time. People get frozen in time at the place of their trauma. And that looks different for everyone. For some people, it's something very small. It's a decision that clicked them into some monumental break. For others, it is tragedy. Don't get yourself frozen. It's not worth it. Don't hang on to somebody else's ability to be the thing that turns the page. This woman I was telling you about, this idea that when her husband retired, everything would be okay and suddenly they'd have this exciting life. And yet she never did any of the things to create an exciting life. And now this is a new place of trauma for her. She's just freezing herself in this moment that now this is what life is. It's boring and it's waiting and wishing for him to get active in life. But really at any point before and at any point now, she could choose. She could go get a job. I think that, I was thinking that this morning, if I was really, really bored with life, no matter how old I was, no matter how retired I was, I could go get a job somewhere where I got to greet people. Sometimes I go places, you know, I was just at uh, Lowe's recently and there were several people that I encountered working there that I thought they're here for the joy of work. They're here for interacting with people and the joy of making sure the aisle they were responsible for was neat. I know that there are people who resent having to have jobs like that, and then there are people who choose them to fill their time and fill their life. But both people can choose to love it or hate it. We can choose to love what we do every day. We can choose to be satisfied, to look at how all the things are contained together whether it's the social aspect with the hard or boring work, whether it is the paid time off along with the hard, long days. Some people have jobs where they 
work from home three weeks out of the month. They're just home immersed in their family and everything, but then for one week they have to go off and travel. They can resent the having to travel or maybe the time at home, but if they embrace the whole thing as a thing, then it's worth it. The time I have with my family is is worth the week I have to spend away. Or vice versa, depending on your outlook. Don't get frozen in contempt. Don't get frozen in the idea that this is boring and something else would be better. This life is what we make it. We've got to wake up out of that flesh sickness and choose enthusiasm. The more times we do, the more worn that path gets and it becomes our normal. And that's not just spiritual talk. It is the truth about the narrow pathways of our brain. The well-tread paths are the ones that become our constant state of well-being. Let's choose them today and every single day. Until next time, beloved. Namaste.